Welcome to Absolute Destiny, a podcast. I'm Autumn. And I'm Chesney. And this is a podcast where we watch all of the episodes of Revolutionary Girl Lutana in order and we review them. The trick is that I'm a super fan who has been into this show for over a decade. Chesney is watching it for the first time. So we are getting her fresh hot takes on every single twist and turn of this very convoluted story. So <laughs> um, today we are on episode three on the night of the ball. Uh, very interestingly, this episode does not feature a duel in it, at least not the traditional type. Yeah, I was waiting for one the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but we do start with the flashback opening again. So... Um, Chesney, what did you think seeing that again? Um, I'm glad that they played it again because I was so busy, like taking my own notes <laughs> the first time around <laughs> that I didn't just get to like watch it. Um, so yeah. Um, first of all, I totally either didn't remember or just didn't know that they opened the scene on two gravestones. I know you said it was a graveyard, but like, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and here it is, like the curtain opens and it's on two gravestones. <laughs> there is just no like tiptoeing around that whatsoever. Yeah, they don't um, ease you into that at all. They're just like, <laughs> her parents are dead. D-E-D, <laughs> dead. <laughs> Y'all, they are mad dead. Um, the The other thing was, uh, I picked up on the phrase rose scented embraced. And then he like, it says that he wiped her tears away, but he really kissed them away. So it was like a very intimate encounter. And again, uh, yeah. Dios was having this encounter with a child, a literal child. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and like, as far as the show is concerned, Yes, like watching it, we have eyes. We can tell they are they have the exact same silhouette um, that like the prince character and the Dios that comes down from the the castle. Like it's the same character. Yeah, but we still don't know who that prince is. And this is the first episode where like the show finally addresses that. That like she like Utena doesn't really remember enough about this guy to remember who he was. Um, yeah, and like fast forward ten years, like sure, there's the spirit that comes down from the castle, but like, who is the actual person who is right. the prince? Like she she muses on that. Like she looks at her own ring and is like, yeah, this is the only proof I actually have that that even happened. Aside from like her parents being dead, like that—that's very clear <laughs> proof that her parents died. Right, um, proof of like the prince appearing to her. <laughs> right, exactly. In the last episode, I don't know that we talked about if Utena was consciously aware that Dios came down in spirit form and like merged or possessed her. Um, it was she conscious of that? I don't know if it's ever really clear. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of like a moment in the show where it becomes obvious in that way. I don't yeah. know like how aware she ever is of that. That is Everyone so interesting. Can see it. 
Like the other duelists can definitely see it happening. But that is so interesting because so the other duelists can see it and we the audience can, but she can't. And like what does that adds like a whole other layer of I don't even know what to this whole like Dios and <laughs> Prince mystery because like he really is keeping her in the dark. Right. Cause like for all she knows and, and us as the audience really, cause like, like we see Toga react to it. We mm-hmm. see other characters react to seeing it, but we never see Utena herself react to it. It just kind of happens. So like, from her perspective, is she just feeling really empowered? Like, like in not in like a feminism way. I mean, like in a superhero <laughs> way. Like, yeah. <laughs> does she does she feel like she suddenly swells with power? Like, how does this work? Like, what's her experience of that? So, um, I took a class that we are totally deviating. I am so sorry, but we. I oh, took no, a class in college on um oh gosh what was the full title it was a long title but it was um possession of the female mind body and spirit um and i would classify that as possession okay (laughs) what he does only because she's not completely aware of it she still has maybe some agency but he's taking over and controlling her body to do um, swordsmanship techniques that she clearly does not have. Also some literally magical ones too, where like in that very first episode, she is fighting with a broken sword. Right. And it still cuts the rose off. Right. So, so interesting. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we, <laughs> we dovetailed into that because I, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, because like now she's like reflecting on this and is like, I'm here. I've been fighting in these duels. I have this ring and the ring is the only thing that connects me to the past and that any of that was real. That I think cuts at something I said in like that very first episode where as far as Utena is concerned, like all throughout growing up, what she experienced in that cemetery wasn't overtly magical. It was just some dude showing up and helping her. Yeah. But now she has come to a place where these weird magical things are real in a way that they aren't in her life up until that point. Yeah. So she still treats them as strange. Which makes sense. (laughs) And so now she's starting to like integrate into this world and it's not making complete sense to her. And she's trying to like rationalize that with her experience up until now. Yeah. And even when it didn't hit me until this scene either, but when Toga is like, you didn't tell anybody about the duels and the dueling ground, did you? Or the dueling game. I forget how he said it, but it's basically like, you didn't tell anybody, did you? And she's like, no, how would I tell anybody? (laughs) That like, can I explain that? that? Like, I have in my... Okay, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. But, like, um, I have in my notes here, they don't have a meat cute, they have a meat creep. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, because like that line where he says like you haven't told anyone have you like that is some grooming bullshit right there oh god you're right I didn't even think about it that way oh this episode is so much more creepy like <laughs> that I realized like the fact that they are literally sword fighting with this girl and also trying to enforce her not talking about it but like why that doesn't make any sense Right, because, like, they all keep it secret because of, I, I guess, like, the end of the world letters that they get. Okay. Uh, where, like, this is just a thing that the student council does, but she's not on the student council. She doesn't get letters from the end of the world. She doesn't have to listen to them or anyone else. And so he's trying to, like, impose this on her from outside, and it, it's super creepy and weird. Yeah, and... I mean, you can't tell me that a couple students haven't, like, tried to slip into the Forbidden Forest back there. Like, I just, how are they keeping it this much of a secret? And why is beyond me? Because, like, okay, the letters part I understand, but you could just totally omit that part and just have, like, duels in the back. Right. Just with, I don't know, just frame it as, like, kendo club? I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, they they have a kendo club. They can just fight there. And yeah. and no one would question it. This is some like Hamilton and Burr at Weehawken bullshit going on, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like we're going to fight somewhere proper with proper weapons and no one supervising us and just our seconds are going to be there. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say, too, this is also reinforcing my alien theory even more because <laughs> why keep it a secret, y'all? Why keep it a secret if it's not, you know, if it's not aliens? <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of aliens, uh, to rewind just a little bit, we did have a scene where Utena finally, like, openly questions, is this really it? Like, am I really the only person who lives in this dorm with Anthe? And, yeah. like... We have these shots of the empty bathroom with like the rows of of sinks and the empty dining room where they're at this giant table sitting at the very end of it. <laughs> yeah. Um and Anthe insists that no, she really does have friends, and then points at Choo Choo. <laughs> and then we have another oh. one of those shots where we are four minutes into this episode, and for the third episode in a row, there are a gaggle of girls screaming and fawning over Utena. Yeah. I mean, they were... It was amped up even more this episode, I think, than the other two. Yeah, because, like, this time she is... um, trying to emphasize like i don't like it when you call me utana sama yeah they can do that because like they're distant enough or whatever for them it's kind of a joke but when you say that to me that just feels weird and creepy i want you to just refer to me as a person you know like more familiar be more mm-hmm. familiar with me. Um, and and that's when we have the meet creep with Toga. 
And mm-hmm. uh, we already talked about that for the most part, but there is one shot that, like, I, I mentioned it while we were watching it. Just the framing of this shot is so perfect, where you have Utena, Anthe, and Toga all crowded onto the right hand side of the frame. And they are all crowded under like an arch, like an architectural arch in the shot. And it is so uncomfortable and so crowded. And it just gives you that claustrophobic feeling of how much Toga looms over these two. Yeah. Yeah. And something else that happens with those three, I think even before Toga shows up, I think this is still in the conversation that Utena and Anthe are having where Utena says, all I want is a totally normal boy. But then you have that frame and that shot of the boy being there. And it seems like you said, it's too much. Right. Because it isn't true. Yeah. Or like if it's true, it's only true in the same way that like, uh, we refer to it as like compulsory heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, comp het, <laughs> where uh. for a bisexual person, there is this inescapable pressure to end up in a heterosexual relationship. It is the default expectation, and you know, every, everything just kind of pushes towards that. And so we have we have her still in that phase of not having questioned that aspect of herself or her feelings for Anthe, even though like, it's just surrounding her at this point. Yeah. And I'll touch back on that a little like that. All I want is a totally normal boy. I'll touch back on this later when we, when she does again, get alone with a quote unquote, totally normal boy. Although I would argue mm-hmm. maybe he's not so normal, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll bring this up again when we, when we get to uh, their scene. Yeah. So we have another elevator scene where the student council, like kind of just talks about the last episode, but then we get this moment with Wakaba where she calls out Utana on spying on Toga. Like, she catches her spying on him. And mm-hmm. Wakaba assumes that Utena is spying on Toga because she's into him. And so she um, and she warns her to steer clear of Anthe. By the way, the other thing that happens in that trio shot is right before, like, right leading up to that, Toga leads her to believe that he could be her prince. He said, right. like, implies something about the ring, and it's no coincidence that we met. So, whether he intended to or not, he implies that he could be her prince. Because to Utena, also, <laughs> this is a moment where we, as the audience, realized all of a sudden that Utena didn't know or realize that uh, the other <laughs> council members have these rings. This is the first time she's seen one on another person, apparently, from the way that she uh, well, reacts. I think she saw. I think she saw Sionji's, but like, I don't know if she thinks it's un- like unique or because like, I'm pretty sure Sionji flashed his at her. Okay, 
just the way she reacted when he said that and showed it to her, I was like, is right. this really the first time you're seeing this? <laughs> but like at the same time, he he raises this question of like, maybe I'm your prince. And, yeah. But like, this is the thing. How would he even know to ask that if he isn't? I know. That's what psyched me out. I was like, okay, did he just like say something? I don't know. I-, I was like, did he just like throw something out there that was like. No, that was that was way too specific. Like that he <laughs> knew exactly what he was suggesting there, which is why he doesn't actually come out and say it. Um, he knew exactly okay. what he was aiming for. And so the question then is if he isn't the prince, how would he even know to say that? Right. Because like it would either I, I think on some have... level we're assuming he's not the prince just because like <laughs> Honestly, because the hair colors don't match. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In a show that is so carefully orchestrated around its color theory, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that the hair colors don't match is is like, when I first watched this, like that was reason enough for me, at least, to question that. Yeah. Um, But like now rewatching it and knowing what I know, I'm like, oh crap like is this him tipping his hand because like how else would he know to ask that but like i maybe i need to go back and look at the scene again but i thought at the beginning you know the opening scene with the graveyard and all that i thought it was like an adult and if they're the same age then how would he have been able to you know what i mean like he's too young is what i'm saying right oh man i have no idea (laughs) that that question right there about ages and timeline i hate to say it it's gonna get more complex (laughs) okay (laughs) like like that alone for this show is not a deal breaker (laughs) (laughs) the aliens have time travel (laughs) so so now we finally get to like the plot moving along in the episode when nanami shows up and uh rescues anthe from the trio of girls who hit her and say that like sayonji's in a funk because of you um we want the old sayonji back which why He's <laughs> just gonna he's just gonna hit you like he hit Anthony. Why do you want this man back? Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, ladies, you can find a man with green hair that will not lay hands on you. I promise you. <laughs> you you do not need this fuck boy. <laughs> Seriously. Um but Nanami shows up and actually I don't know. I don't know like when her name is said. Like I've I've seen this show so many times. I forget like I know I called her Nanami, so I don't even know if you would remember if her name is mentioned in the episode yet. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um if it's okay. if it's not mentioned at the when she interferes with Anthe, I thought she introduced herself there. But okay. um but if it's not there, then it's it's at least brought up when she's interacting with Toga later. 
Okay. Because, like, Nanami shows up, and full disclosure to the listener, like, Nanami is the one character from this show that I have cosplayed. Um, I, I no Ooh. longer fit into it, unfortunately, but I still have the outfit in my closet somewhere. I, I love her character. I love her character's growth over the course of this series. Um, and it is important that it starts with this, like, transparent mean girl nonsense. <laughs> um, where, like, <laughs> she invites Anthony to the dance and says, like, hey, you've also been nominated. Good luck. And says she wants friendship with Anthe. And Utena, completely clueless to the mind games that girls play, is like, cool, she's got an actual friend. <laughs> Which is also cool. the camp that I was in, too, by the way. <laughs> like, Nanami shows up and saves her, and I'm like, Oh, thank God. A good soul at this school. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry <laughs> to burst that bubble. <laughs> it's okay. It was burst relatively quickly. So <laughs> my hopes weren't dashed too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have this adorable shot where um, Anthea is playing, uh, playing Go Fish. With mm-hmm. what we assume is Utena because they're talking and the shot is framed just on Anthe. And then the, the camera pulls back and she's playing cards with Choo Choo. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, and they get these gifts. Uh, they're dresses from Toga and from Nanami. So Utena gets a, a dress from Toga and uh, Anthe gets one from Nanami. Toga, showing a startling capacity to not read the room, um, <laughs> gives Utena a dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. With a rose. And, and a, a, a note with like a little sketch of himself on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and Anthe is like Andy says that she doesn't like being around large groups of people and to the listener if you have seen the the rest of the series you know why um what i think is really fascinating um actually i'm going to save that till we get to that spot um really quick before we move on yeah so during the this scene where they're unwrapping the dresses choo choo is eating it looks like he gets these like two little capsule packets out and starts eating them what the heck was that because at the end of it he's like drooling out of his mouth i'm like were those like goofy <laughs> tablets like <laughs> what did he eat <laughs> like he's clearly incapacitated from two little somethings i I was I missed that. Like I didn't see what he was eating. Yeah, if you go back and look at it, it's like it looks like pills. They're like sealed and wrapped in this clear packaging and he gets it out and eats it and in one shot and then in the next shot he's eating the second one and the next time you look at him he's like foaming at the mouth, drooling, like <laughs> incapacitated. I'm like, "Okay, those are not rice crackers, buddy. What did you eat?" <laughs> <laughs> oh 
I missed that shot. <laughs> also, uh, I want to put on the record that I forgot what Choo Choo's name was. So when I was taking notes, I wrote Lil Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I literally Whoa. wrote, what did little baby eat? Oh. <laughs> so yeah, Anthony doesn't like places with a lot of people. She talks about, she gets scared. Everybody's faces look the same. Um, I am, I thought I was so much better at picking up on foreshadowing. I am not dear listener <laughs> um, <laughs> because I didn't take it as that at all I was like oh maybe she is she agoraphobic like does she have social anxiety like what's going on there <laughs> I automatically was like what diagnosis does she have and not what caused <laughs> that <laughs> yeah as, as with all things in this show the answer to that question is trauma Oh, I knew it. I should have known. <laughs> it's always um, trauma. It's, it's going to be like another 20 some episodes before we actually get to see why Anthea is the way that she is. Mm -hmm. But um, this episode more than any other foreshadows that. Okay. Interesting. Um, and so like, yeah, there was, the there was like, a Oh, go ahead. Um, just like for the listener, you know what that connection is. And just as somebody who has seen this show a number of times, like seeing it foreshadowed this clearly this early is something I actually forgot about in most of my times watching the show, that they actually foreshadow it from the start, how this is going to go towards the end. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that part blew my mind watching it again this time. Cause like I didn't make that connection the last time I watched this show, man, I can't like, of course this show has so much rewatchability because you're like a longtime fan of the show and all the media and everything with it. But like, <laughs> that's insane that it has that degree of rewatchability. And even there was one part that I picked up on where uh, when they're talking about this, Anthony's like, I get scared. Everybody's faces look the same. And Utena is like, well, just just go. Like, I just want you to make friends, basically. And she looks in. She looks down like away from the camera. And she has this very serious look on her face. I don't know how to describe it. There's like an emotion there. But when she looks back at Utana, like the Rose Bride mask is back on because it's that right. complicit smile of, okay, whatever you say. Yeah. And it was like, so like, it was so eerie. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we no. finally get, we're getting to see these like little flashes of Anthony's true feelings beneath the mask and this is something that all of the other characters that we've seen so far treat as non-existent yeah oof we're in for a ride <laughs> <laughs> so now it is time for the shadow girls uh the shadow girls have this adorable moment with like 
it almost reminds me of the Nutcracker. Like the the way that they're dancing and the way that they're oh. blocked in in shadow. Um and like or like a like a music box ballerina, the way they're dancing. Yes. Like it's so perfect and it's too slow for a human body to spin at that speed. But like a music box ballerina can, you know, like that's kind of what it feels like watching uh, this shot as they talk yeah. about like, why do people go to balls like this? And maybe it would be more honest if we just called them man traps. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down too. It's like man traps. <laughs> I would have thought it'd be the other way around. Oh, no. No. You are wrong. This is where <laughs> the women are in charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and they make some remarks about the shamelessness of it all. And mm -hmm. maybe there is a character here who might want to think about feeling some shame at some point in her future. Yeah. And while everyone is focused on Anthe for that, maybe it's the one who is pulling the prank that we're going to see who ought to uh, rethink their relationship to shame. Yeah. But like at the same time, I also have some really strong feelings about women and shame. Yeah. I mean, general. rightfully so. Like the whole concept of like outside influences telling you what you should be ashamed of as a woman are everywhere. Yeah. They, they just kind of fall into the background noise of life and learning like what to tune out can be a really tricky thing because like you don't want to be completely shameless. Shame is a useful emotion to have if your behavior is actually hurting other people as we're going to see. <laughs> Right. But if you're ashamed of something that either like you can't control or some aspect of you as a person that has nothing to do with your behavior or how you treat other people, then that's probably something to examine, right? Like that's not a useful kind of shame. That's just a prison. Yeah. Absolutely it is. So in lieu of a duel, we instead have a dance, which is a duel of its own kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is where we find out that Nami is Toga's sister. And there is this moment where cool guy, student council president Toga literally has his breath taken away by seeing yeah. Utena and Anthe walk in. Oh, it was so good. And for for the queer listeners out there, the shot of them walking in arm in arm is, again, so gay. <laughs> if, you d if you somehow believed that these two characters are just good friends and will remain just good friends, this show is working overtime to disabuse you of that notion. <laughs> <laughs> Utena is talking about wanting a boyfriend and then walks in with Anthe as if 
it, well, in this case, as if she's the boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is also something that like we didn't talk about sooner. Um, as far as like gender roles go, uh, Utena is what we call Bokuko. Like she refers to herself with the masculine singular pronoun Boku. Oh. And so instead of saying like Watashi or Atashi, um, she refers to herself as Boku. Like she's calling herself a boy in most of these scenarios, Um, which there is some gender stuff around that where being a Bokuko doesn't mean you're a boy, Um, Mm -hmm. but it does, it does signal something about you and your presentation that you want to be seen as more masculine than the other girls around you. Yeah. Um, like I should have brought it up in the very first episode because she's been saying this from the first episode beyond just like the clothes she wears. She refers to herself with a masculine pronoun. Yeah. That, and I never would have caught that. There's a lot of layers to that, but that's the big piece I just have here. Um, is that bad? I don't know what that's referring to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm reading my notes right now and like, I can't, make sense of the notes that I wrote for this scene because like I was just scribbling so fast oh Uh, no you're fine (laughs) uh I'll jump in here and say that we have the scene where um it's revealed that Toga and Nanami are siblings but (laughs) if you watch the episode first of all they're by themselves on a balcony so like it's it's a very weirdly romantic setting and the way that they're like holding each other and talking to each other is very intimate. Mm-hmm. Um so that's a that that's a whole thing. Uh but we don't have time to unpack that right now. So we're oh, just no. going to No, no, no. Now is exactly the time to <laughs> unpack that. <laughs> because that does not go away. <laughs> I figured uh <laughs> I feel like the show itself too was like and here's this but we don't have time to unpack this right now here are the gays yeah. and then Utana and Anthony just walk in <laughs> but like that piece of like their weirdly close relationship that is the key motivator for what Nanami does in this episode is she yeah. is jealous that Toga's attention has been taken away from her. Yeah. And the fact that she got it mixed up somehow, I don't know how she got this mixed up. But she thought Toga wanted Anthe and was starting to be enamored with her, obsessed with her, however you want to look at it. Um, and so that's why she's focusing on Anthe. In reality, she's leaving by Nanami swooping in on Anthe. She's solving Toga's and uh, Utana's problems <laughs> at the very <laughs> beginning of the ball because Utana's like, great, she actually has a friend. Holy cow. Right. And then Toga's got free time with the person that he's actually interested in. Yeah. No, she, she tees up that ball for both of them absolutely um but i i would say i don't think she's misreading the situation as much as as much as like we the audience see in in this episode um because remember 
Toga's obsession, like all of the student council, is with Anthe, is winning the duels so they can get the power to revolutionize the world. And so this is kind of like borrowing on backstory that we don't see. Okay. Of like, all of the student council are obsessed with Anthe. And so the Nami's solution is to take Anthe out of the picture because she thinks it's just a crush. She thinks it's just a relationship or whatever. Um, she's not part of the duels. She's not a duelist. Right. Um, and at least not yet anyway. Like it's kind of spoiled in the opening shot of the show that she ends up in the dueling arena at some point. Yeah, I had a feeling. I had a feeling that she might. Yeah, because like we see her in her yellow outfit um, with two swords in the dueling arena during the opening shot of the show. So like we know that she ends up there at some point. But like for now, she's not a duelist. She just sees that this girl is taking Toga's attention away. And also, this is okay, where... damn, two swords. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, she's a baller. Like she, she comes in hot right from the start. Um, for now, she's just Toga's sister. Interesting thing about Nanami as a character, uh, she was created for the anime. Uh, she does not appear in the manga. That's so interesting. She has like a a brief flash in the movie, if I remember correctly but isn't a main character in that at all. And I don't think they ever explain like who she is in the movie. Like if you didn't see the show, you wouldn't know who that that's Nanami in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm perfectly comfortable saying she's virtually not in it. <laughs> um, this is the one piece of media where she is present. And there's going to be a set of episodes that are collectively known as the Nanami episodes, where mm -hmm. we follow Nanami instead of Utena. Oh, interesting. And the Nanami episodes are interesting because, like, you see a like less mature character interacting with these older characters. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see, like, where her level of development is at versus theirs and how she solves similar-ish problems to the rest of them. And speaking of problem solving, she has set up this scenario where she gave this gift dress to Anthe and then has like this boy co-conspirator open a bottle of champagne, which, oh boy, this is again like some bougie private school bullshit. <laughs> where we have teenagers drinking champagne at parties. <laughs> right. Um, now, I am from Wisconsin, where there is plenty of alcohol available to minors at all times, because it's a, <laughs> it's a weird, uncomfortable cultural thing that leads to a lot of alcoholism in this state, and we all know it's a problem and no one does anything about it. Anyhow. Oh, this, yikes. That is not the this. direction I thought it was going to go in. <laughs> This is at a completely different level of like opening a bottle of like I've never been to a dance at school 
that had a bottle of champagne open. Like maybe it was like some seltzer or like bubbly juice that is made to look like champagne. But we all know this is Otori Academy and they are that bougie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to a cotillion school or a manor school when I was in like sixth grade and uh, there was nothing like that there. They had punch. Yeah. But there were no bottles of any kind of champagne to pop open. <laughs> yeah. And like, because like this whole scenario doesn't work if it's not champagne, right? Because like the whole thing is he opens it and it overflows and it's clearly a champagne shaped bottle um, and it sprays Anthe and it dissolves the dress, which again, like, if you're putting on a piece of clothing <laughs> that is flimsy enough to dissolve when wet, I feel like there would have been signs before that that you were putting on something that was unstable. <laughs> or like, Right. But let's just go with it. It is what it is. <laughs> it is it is some magical real nonsense of this world. <laughs> yep. And the Everybody, dress dissolves. Anthony. Anthe loved her tissue paper dress and there it goes. Yep. So this is all happening like in the meantime when Toga and Utana are talking about like, hey, maybe he's the prince. Um, and Utana's like, you have vastly misread me if you think that a dress is what I wanted. Um, I am not interested. Nope. Goodbye. And then there's a scream that calls Utena's attention away before she can like rethink like oh maybe this guy's the prince after all um so she swoops in saves Anthe and we get like the triumphant version of her theme song playing mm -hmm. um, and she turns a tablecloth into a dress kind of like I hate to say this a toga <laughs> Uh, yep. <laughs> and they dance as a couple. Now, listener, I was a DJ for a number of years. <laughs> like half of my job was weddings. And I have seen more first dances for couples at weddings than I care to admit. More than I could actually probably count. Um, somewhere in the low hundreds. I'll say that. This reads like a first dance at a wedding. Yeah. It is long and slow and romantic. And this, the soft color palette, the rose, rose petals just like floating in the air. Um, yeah. The, like the longing romantic glances that the two of them have together. It is super sweet. And it is definitely a first dance for a couple. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that like, the cl the crowd parts and it's just them on the dance floor and they're having this, right. like you said, they're having this sweet, like intimate moment of once again, Utana saving Anthe. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, like you said, the, the crowd gives them the space to just have this moment together. Yeah. Like they no understand dancing. <laughs> yeah. It's like they understand what they're watching too. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
like all of them put their own horniness aside and like stay <laughs> off like they just respectfully stay off the dance floor even though what they really want is to be dancing close to the person that they have a crush on they just <laughs> stand there and watch in awe um just like the girls at the basketball game um everyone is just in awe of these two yeah yeah, also, um, hey, Utena showed up to this wearing the dress and somehow had her uniform on underneath it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wasn't her, but... wasn't her dress uh, <laughs> sleepless? <laughs> wasn't it? Did I imagine that? <laughs> yeah, she, she rips off the dress and underneath it is the boy's uniform that she wears. But it's, like, amped up, I think. Like, it has the, like, almost, like, military-style shoulder pads yeah. with, like, the little drapings on. Yeah, which I don't think she has in her she, normal. Yeah, that's, like, the epaulets that she has when she's dueling. Yeah. So, like, when she draws the sword from Anthe, and then Anthe, like... <laughs> the way it's shot in the duels, like it's less like puts it on and more like reveals the true form of Anth er, of Utena. Like, mm -hmm. behold, this is your true form as a duelist. Um, yeah. So you're right. This was totally a duel. Yeah. She showed up in her gear after all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, in the background, watching this are Nanami and Toga. And Toga reads Nanami like a book. It, it's just like, like if you've ever had kids in your life or are a parent or, you know, like been a teacher or any scenario involving young children or even like young teens, they always think they are so clever with the pranks that they're pulling. <laughs> when they are completely yeah. transparent yeah i would say even even if you have a sibling like you know your sibling yeah well most like for some people you know your sibling and you know like when you've got them dead to rights like you pin <laughs> them down <laughs> like you're like yeah that was your handiwork wasn't it and they're like yeah <laughs> that's what i felt like that moment was too like it was definitely a familial experience of, yes that Toga was you knows wasn't his it sister <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so we end on that we end on the the dance and um toga calling out nanami <laughs> and saying hey that that was over the line <laughs> yeah he doesn't scold her too much though and that's you know it seems like that's the nature of their relationship but like oh that's like another class thing right like they're both yeah they're rich kids and so nobody died so <laughs> maybe what you did was rude but who cares <laughs> yeah all he says is show some restraint in your pranks nanami that's yeah. it yeah like <laughs> Not even don't do it. It's okay. If you want to be a master at this, dial it back just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple things before we end this episode that I want to touch on. Um, 
I want to go back to the comment that Utena makes at the towards the beginning of the episode of all I want is a totally normal boy. And then she shows up to the ball with Anthe. Mm-hmm. Anthe gets whisked away by Nanami. Utena's spending alone time with Toga. Toga, they have this conversation. And Toga says, basically, like, well, if you if you didn't want to wear the dress and like, why did basically, why did you come? Mm-hmm. And she does this long pause and thinks about it herself. And I think she says something along the lines of, I wanted Anthony to make friends, maybe. But she does this like long pause and she thinks to herself and she says, I came in case you were, and then gets cut off. Doesn't finish because that's when the scream from Anthony happens or from the crowd and Anthony's dress is getting shriveled. I would love to know what she's what she's thinking and what she wanted to say there. Did she think that Toga was going to have some diabolical plan? Like, oh no, I assumed that what she was going to say was, "I came in case you were the prince." Ah, that makes sense. Yep, that totally makes sense. Speaking of the the scene with Anthea and the crowd, she starts to panic. We actually see her break down and have a panic attack on the dance floor. I felt so bad for her. Like, the way they shot this was, or drew it, was so brilliant with all of the faces just melt away. Like, they're just shadows of people. Yeah. Yeah, it's just shadow and color. And you get the sense of there being a crowd, but they're ghostly. Yeah, they looked like dolls or mannequins or just masks. Right. And I say this to you, remember that shot? Okay. When we finally get to like the episodes in like the late 20s, early 30 episode mark, uh, when we start to see some of Anthony's backstory. I know that's going to be a long way off. It feels like a long way off. Um, but like that is a shot that is called back to um, in okay. some of that stuff toward toward the late middle, early ending of the show i can't wait i love seeing things come together there's also a lot of talk in this episode of just royalty in general like talk of the prince and oh is toga the prince you know utana reminiscing on the prince there's also a lot of references to a queen in this episode there's the dance queen and then also when toga and utana are alone and talking at the ball Toga says that she's the queen of the campus and wants her to dance with him. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Okay. He calls her the queen of the campus, which makes sense. I mean, she is. Oh, that's so interesting that you saw that pattern. She is the queen, though. Like, all the um, female students seem to love her. She has the attention of the student council. Like... She is the one in the eye, which is why it was so... She can float the dress code. Yeah. (laughs) It's why it's so funny to me that Nanami did not pick up on this at all. Because us as the audience from episode one see Toga uh, already beginning to be fascinated with um, Utena. Not Anthe. So he, he is... I think only interested in Anthe 
from a very like basic standpoint. Um, and because we don't even really see, I mean, this whole episode yeah, is transactional, right? Like, it's yeah, just transactional because he needs her for her utilitarian purpose, right? Sionji on some level wants a companion, but like to Toga, she's just a means to an end. Yeah, they don't even interact this episode. There are several times where their characters are together. He does not say one word to her. He's so taken up with Utena and doesn't even see Anthe or acknowledge her most of the time. Right. Right. Yeah. So I just thought that was so interesting. Toga's like, you're the queen of the campus. And I'm like, yeah, she is. She fully is. (laughs) (laughs) And then again, the irony of everybody else is so swept up in the Rose Bride and Toga's like, screw that. (laughs) In a way, he's he's like, whatever. I'm more interested in what's going on over here like the rest of the school is. So, what are your predictions for next time? I have no clue. The preview for the next episode seemed all over the place. We were talking about a junior high genius playing the piano and also a duel with Toga. Um, I have no clue. (laughs) Nanami is definitely going to get involved because of course she is. It's her brother. Um, I have this weird feeling and I could be totally wrong, but I have a feeling that somebody's going to get their heart broken in the next episode or two. Oh, okay. Yeah, only because it seems like it's building up to a little bit of a dramatic tension moment. I think somebody's going to get their hopes dashed. So this next one's a two-parter. So do you think mm-hmm. that's what's going to be like the the split between the two episodes? <sighs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean... I could see somebody getting their heart broken at the end of this next one, or like that's the conclusive bit at the end of the two episode thing. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, we will have to find out. Man, I can't believe it's so easy to talk about this show. I can't believe a whole hour has gone by. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where can folks find us out there on the internet? So if you're looking for us as individuals, we both have um our own accounts. I'm pretty much car cutie on everything, which is K A R Q U E U E T I E. That's on Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, TikTok. <laughs> Visit that one at your own risk. Uh, and I also do streaming on uh, Twitch under that username. And I am Life in Neon, one word. Um, that's where I'm at on Twitch and on Twitter. And then for the podcast, um, you can send in your questions and comments to absolutedestinyapodcast at gmail.com. Um, because we're keeping things spoiler free for me, I'm probably not going to be able to check that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Autumn is going to have to be looking at most of the content. To yeah, sure I'm going to be pre-reading any of the emails that come in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and we also have a Twitter account, which is Zetai Unme Pod. 